Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name's Alicia. And I'm Stacy here with a bit of a lighthearted story about a funny man that I think most of us are pretty fond of. Yeah, who's in our tale of marital misadventure today, Stacey? This is late-night talker Jimmy Kimmel, who has just one divorce under his belt, but a lot going on. We'll get back to trashier stories in short order, but it's the summertime, the flowers are blooming, and it seems like a little laughter is in order. Hey, before we get in to our episode today, let's peer deeply into the sunshine of our magic mirror and welcome our newest Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Welcome to Timothea F. and Shauna D. Holy cats, thank you so much for throwing some support over to Trashy Divorces. We are really grateful for you. We are grateful for all of our Patreon community and you for listening. And I guess without any further ado, let's start the show and go, go, go. Okay, Stacey, you got a funny man for us today. Indeed. Alicia, I don't know if you know, but Jimmy Kimmel has actually been on television for more than 20 years. Seriously? Yeah, obviously his current level of fame and popularity was not an overnight thing for him. Back at the beginning of his television career, especially during his years on The Man Show with Adam Carolla, somehow I missed that, it would have been difficult to imagine him hosting, I don't know, the Academy Awards, but... In fact, Jimmy Kimmel has now hosted the Academy Awards and the Primetime Emmys three times apiece. I had no idea. Jimmy is the host of ABC's longest-running late-night talk show, which is now in its 20th season. There's no question that in 2023, Jimmy is definitely a household name and one of the giants of late-night TV. Audiences love him for his entertaining monologues and his biting social commentary, but also for his hilarious practical jokes and social media content. His frequent and very popular segment, I love this one, called Celebrities Read Mean Tweets. Oh yeah, Yeah, that's a good one. It's a fan favorite. He has celebrities read aloud mean things that people have tweeted about them. It's come to be a Jimmy Kimmel Live tradition that keeps audiences and celebrities all laughing. Of course, most of the humor comes from the celebrities good-natured responses and ability to laugh at the insulting tweets. Here, for instance, actor Ethan Hawke read a tweet about himself that said, and honestly, there's something to this. Anyway, it says, Ethan Hawke seems like a guy who wasn't supposed to be a movie star, but he slipped through the cracks and everyone was just like, okay. (laughs) All right, how about Paul Rudd? (laughs) Paul Rudd, this is the tweet. Paul Rudd is the most boring vanilla dude. You know he just sits at home with his wife eating a bland spaghetti dinner talking about his day. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, tweets are interesting. I think it often reveals more about the writer than it does necessarily about the person. What a terrible thing, sitting at home eating dinner with your wife talking about your day. Oh, Paul Rudd, what a nightmare. Get a life, man. Do better. (laughs) That sounds terrible. (laughs) For the most part, Jimmy Kimmel has a pretty clean image. He's married. He has two young children whom he talks about often on the TV show, but he was also married before. He has two adult children from that marriage and apparently has a great relationship with all four of his kids. 
we really hurt the people with Eddie Long. We're trying to come back with some with some love, y'all. Yes. Um, he also had a long and public relationship with fellow comedian Sarah Silverman between his two marriages. Perhaps a little overlap there at the end of the first, you know. Relationships are messy. It's messy. All right, let's talk about the early life and career of James Christian Kimmel, who was born on November 13th, 1967. Scorpio. Scorpio in Brooklyn, New York. As a kid, he loved to draw, read comic books, and play pranks on people, of course. Although he was born in New York City, Jimmy spent most of his childhood growing up in Las Vegas. This is not typically a place we think of as a good child-rearing place, but he says he had a pretty normal childhood. He said the biggest exception to normality growing up in Vegas is that instead of 9 to 5, your mom or dad might work midnight to 8 a.m. That's right. Yeah. But he's also told stories about seeing iconic Las Vegas figures like Liberace and Sammy Davis Jr. I mean, kind of a cool childhood. A big part of Jimmy's childhood involved playing practical jokes on people. No one was immune from getting a joke played on them or being pulled into a prank. As an altar boy, Jimmy was very active in his church and knew his priest well. And here is what Jimmy said about Father Bill. Oh, no. Oh, Father Bill. Yeah, he says, Father Bill was my first comedic straight man. There is no better straight man (laughs) than a priest than the pastor of your church. We became friends almost instantly. I was an altar boy, and I started screwing with him almost immediately. We had this secret relationship, not like most secret relationships between priests and altar boys, but where he thought I was really funny, and I liked him a lot, too. We'd hang out with my friends. We had this priest that hung out with us all the time. Father Bill tells of a time when he was unwillingly pulled into one of Jimmy and his friend's jokes. Uh, He says, I've known him since he was nine. He was always pulling practical jokes, none of them mean-spirited. It was a big thing back then in Vegas to cruise Fremont Street. He said, let's go tonight, and I said, sure, sounds like fun. He and his friends got a fire extinguisher from the church in the car. We're cruising down the strip, and I see them spraying it up and down the street. I said, you guys gotta be kidding. I'm a priest. I can get in trouble for this. Jimmy was a very artistic kid and even thought about studying art and pursuing a career drawing or sketching. He would say, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an artist. I'd stay up late, drawing for hours, watching Carson and Letterman on the small black and white TV I commandeered from our kitchen, and eventually I just got more interested in that. But the real reason that I didn't go to art school is because when my father says they were looking into it, in quotes, that means they never in any way looked into it. Jimmy began his career in radio. He knew that one of his idols, David Letterman, had also started his career in radio, so he thought it would be a good idea for him, too. At the young age of 16, he got his first radio job at a college radio station's Sunday night interview program, which is kind of a thing for a 16-year-old to have to interview people probably older than him. He said he would talk to local oddballs at that job. He then got a job as Jimmy the Sports Guy on a local Las Vegas radio station. His first full-time paid radio gig was at a station in Phoenix, Arizona when he was 20. After getting and losing many different jobs at a variety of radio stations, Jimmy broke into television as the co-host of the comedy game show Win Ben Stein's Money on Comedy Central. I know, right? I had completely forgotten this. Ben Stein, of course, has extremely high praise for his former co-star. He was genius from the first effing minute that he walked in the door. He was the first person who auditioned. As soon as he finished, we said, well, 
we don't need to see anybody else. <laughs> He's the good guy. Audition, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been in Hollywood since 1976, and I've never met anyone smarter than Jimmy. No one. I've known studio heads and very powerful agents, but I'd say Jimmy is in a class by himself. We would often have on contestants who thought they were really smart or wise guys, and they would try to tangle with Jimmy in a battle of wits, and I would say to them, please don't even try. Mm-hmm. I would never have wanted to go up against him. He is breathtakingly smart, but also a man of the people. For someone to be that smart and also a man of the people is very, very unusual. Jimmy could be Secretary of State. Jimmy could be Attorney General. Jimmy could be a Supreme Court Justice, and he would be better than any of the ones we've had for a very long time. Preach. Jimmy is the only comedian who could be president. If he were president, I would trust him to do the right thing, even though he's a Democrat. (laughs) Jimmy also wrote and starred in the long-running The Man Show with Adam Carolla. He had a first marriage when he was quite young. He met his first wife, Gina Maddy, at Arizona State University. Oh, that is young. mm -hmm. They became a couple quickly after meeting, and Gina was Jimmy's first girlfriend. Jimmy proposed to Gina kind of immediately upon beginning dating. She said yes, and they got married on July 25th, 1988. Gina was 23, and Jimmy was 20. Jimmy told the HuffPost... We were both very young. My mom was 19 when she got married, so it didn't seem unusual to me. It seemed unusual to all my friends, but not to me. (laughs) In 1991, the couple welcomed their daughter. They were living in Tampa, Florida at the time. He told Vulture about how difficult it was for them to make ends meet and juggle a new baby. Around the same time that Katie was born, Jimmy lost his morning radio job in Tampa, but was able to find a new one in Palm Springs, California. You can see what's happening here, right? Like That is an awful lot for a young mm-hmm. family. So he says, we moved across the country and I would work from four in the morning till around 11 in the morning. And at the time, my ex-wife worked too. So I'd pick our daughter up from daycare as quickly as I could because we couldn't afford the $5 an hour to keep her there longer. I'd have her all day till 6 or 6.30 when my ex-wife got home. That was a hard schedule. I was exhausted all the time. I used to beg our daughter to go to sleep almost in tears just so I could take a nap. Obviously, a lot of stress here, a lot of weird schedules, a lot of irregular jobs, like just succession of things. That's young kids making it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you're so young. And then to put kids and jobs and pressures and responsibility, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. So they had a second kid. Of course, he would say most of the pressure I felt with our daughter came from me being a 25-year-old guy who had to keep the family afloat. It was not easy. Jimmy wasn't the only one to be feeling stressed in the relationship. Gina was frustrated and also stressed out by Jimmy's constant working on radio in the mornings. And then later at night, he would go work on Winbenstein's money. And two kids within short order. And two kids. And soon there were rumors that Jimmy had begun a romantic relationship with someone else. It didn't take long before the pressures got to be too much for both of them. And in 2002, they decided to separate. So like 14 years on, right? Like, I would call that a successful first marriage. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Their divorce was finalized in 2003, and this begins our long-term relationship with Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman, another funny lady herself. And she came up in our Michael Sheen episode. Oh, that's right, yeah. They also had a relationship and then apparently a very friendly split, which is the case here. So in 2002, Jimmy and fellow comedian Sarah Silverman were not particularly trying to hide that they were a couple 
the timing, you know, was questionable to a lot of people, given that Jimmy was still married and there was no formal statement about he and Gina splitting. And apparently the relationship moved pretty quickly. Lots of rumors, tongues a wagon. A source told Fox News at the time that the affair between Jimmy and Sarah was, quote, one of the worst kept open secrets in Hollywood. <laughs> so, uh, Which we live for here we on live Trashy for. Divorces. Yes. So apparently Sarah Silverman was already referring to Jimmy as her boyfriend. I don't know how. I mean, she's a comedian. I don't know. Anyway, they had met in 2001 at the New York Friars Club roast of Hugh Hefner. Sarah was one of the roasters, and they, you know, struck up a friendship, and then Jimmy hired Sarah for his comedy series at the time called Crank Yankers, another one I missed. Not sure why. Soon, they were hanging out together, and they'd see movies together. In 2007, while they were still together, Sarah told Esquire, We had known each other for a while, just watching movies and stuff, just being friends. And then one night, we were watching Broadway Danny Rose. Jimmy went in for the first kiss. And both of us, we were probably nose to nose for like 40 minutes before either of us had the guts to just go ahead and kiss. But once we did, we started making out like crazy. It had been festering for a very long time. Oh, my. So there's nothing super surprising or, you know, comedic about the story. But what she reveals next is a little bit more memorable. She told the magazine that she suggested they go to her bedroom which removed any doubt about her intentions, took some awkwardness away, or maybe added more. However, Sarah Silverman did not expect what happened next. We got more pranks. It's, you know, for How I Met Your Mother fans, this will, this will work. She says, he follows me down the hall, probably like 25 feet to my bedroom. And I go into my bedroom and I turn around and he's standing in my doorway completely naked like a bear. Oh, my God. Like a big, wild bear. I was shocked. I mean, at what point had all his clothes come off? And I looked at him like, I don't know. I was just taken aback. The naked man. The naked man is right. In general, the public in Hollywood loved Jimmy and Sarah as a couple. They were happy. They were funny. And they seemed to be very sweet with each other. But in March 2009, after about seven years together, they decided to go their separate ways. In 2010, Sarah talked about the breakup to Playboy magazine, saying, I think Jimmy and I had every intention of spending the rest of our lives with each other. I love love. It's my top priority. Jimmy will tell you I'm a good girl. Sometimes loving each other isn't enough. You have to be responsible for your own happiness. You can't stay in a relationship because you're afraid of the unknown, but I will always love him. Sometimes I think maybe we'll die together in our old age or something. That is a statement full of vague. <laughs> right? No, it is, for sure. Okay. Statement full of vague. I feel like it had probably just kind of run its course. and Interesting. But we'll be together at the end. They're still good friends. Yeah. And, Interesting. You know, they tease each other on social media all the time. So that complications of human dynamics. Oh, well, you're going to like the next quote even better uh, because in 2017, Jimmy told GQ magazine of his ex-girlfriend, Sarah and I, we're like brothers. (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me that people would erase a big part of their lives. It's not like we didn't spend every day together for many years. We did. And we have a lot of things in common and mutual friends. I'll see something in the news and think, oh, God, I have to tell Sarah about this. In 2018, Jimmy even gave a speech when Sarah was given a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. 
After he spoke, they posed for pictures together. However, it sounds like it may have taken the former couple a little bit of time to ease into their post-relationship friendship. In January 2019, Jimmy was on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen when a caller commented on the friendship and asked if it was, you know, instantaneous or took some time, and he responded, I would say that it took some time, definitely. It definitely took some time. It was never like where we didn't like each other or hated each other or anything like that, but it definitely took some time to be comfortable enough to be friends again. At the 2019 Golden Globes, Sarah took a selfie of her sitting in front of Jimmy and his wife, Molly, his second wife, we will talk about her in a moment, cuddling behind her and posted it with this caption, Good times, what's going on with me dating-wise? I'm waiting for this tryst with you to be over. I mean, okay, Molly's cute, she's bright, she's funny, she's blonde, whatever, but come on, it's not fair. She gets new woke Jimmy, I had man show Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) breakups are tough breakups are tough all right so this speaking of breaks is a great time to take one hear from our sponsors and when we come back we will talk about jimmy's second and hopefully final marriage see you on the flip ladies and gentlemen what are you doing what do you mean i'm making keep it simple Uh, i'm making the promo just keep it simple just say hey we're the brav bros two guys that talk about bravo Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav Bros. Good job. We've all seen the headlines in the news of how someone lost their life in an act of cold-blooded murder. And while it's sad and grabs your attention, most people go on with their day without giving it another thought. But have you ever stopped to think about the life of the person at the center of the news story? They were more than just a headline or a statistic. They were someone's loved one or friend. I'm Mike Morford, and my podcast, The Murder of My Family, dives into some of those stories to help listeners get to know the person who was lost and how their death affected those closest to them. Listen to The Murder of My Family everywhere you listen to podcasts. There are well over 100 episodes to binge on now. Yeah, I can imagine woke Jimmy and man Jimmy are different. So what happens next? Well, it turns out that Jimmy Kimmel did not have to look far to find the woman who would become his next wife. Molly McNearney was a writer and producer at Jimmy Kimmel Live when they met. (laughs) Molly wrote and produced the show for six years before they started dating. But in 2010, when they both found themselves single again, they decided to see if a romance would blossom. Although love was eventually in the air for these two... Jimmy didn't make a great first impression on Molly. Didn't he try the naked man bear thing? (laughs) (laughs) Different this time, thank God. She told... (laughs) That would be a whole different workplace, wouldn't it? Right. She told Glamour Magazine about their first meeting. So this would be like 04, something like that. When I first met him, she says, he insulted me. Oh, no. The executive producer brought me into his office and said, this is Molly. She's my new assistant. Jimmy barely looked up from his desk until my EP said, she competes in triathlons. And then Jimmy looked up at me and said, that's really stupid. What a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) Happily, as they spent more time working together, they became friends. And eventually, Jimmy won her over by cooking for her. She said all the writers would socialize after the show and we would just hang out more and more. We really liked each other as friends. And then it just kind of turned. He cooked for me, and that was it. It sealed the deal. I find food is a wonderful love language. I wonder if it was bland spaghetti like (laughs) Paul Rudd eats. 
because they worked together, it was important to Molly that they keep the personal relationship separate. Like this was this was sort of sensitive for them. They waited a long time to tell the rest of the team that they were a couple. She told Glamour, I was very, very nervous because I love our writers so much and we work so closely together. I was also the only female writer in the room at the time and I didn't want to change the dynamic. Oh, yeah. We love to make fun of Jimmy over here, myself included. When you have camaraderie with your coworkers, one of the parts is that making fun of the boss a little bit. And now to think that's the guy I'm dating. I didn't want that to stop. They dated for three years before Jimmy proposed to Molly while they were on vacation in South Africa's Kruger National Park. And they married in Ojai, California on, hey, July 13th, 2013. Oh, happy 10-year anniversary, anniversary. friends. Big mazel. Among the guests, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Kristen Bell, and Jennifer Aniston, among many others. They had a daughter in 2014 and a son in 2017. They went through a very scary time after their son was born because he was born with a congenital heart condition called Tetralogy of Fellow with pulmonary atresia. I hope I'm saying these words correctly. It's a lot of scary sounding words. It is a lot of, and it required a lot of surgeries. Shortly after his birth, a nurse noticed that something was wrong. And after, which is, my God, like what you don't want to hear. After many other doctors and nurses were called in, it was determined that little Billy would have to have heart surgery very soon. So everyone can agree, I think, that this would be one of the most terrifying things that the parents of a newborn would have to face. Oh, yeah. When he was just three days old, little Billy had his first heart surgery. Jimmy Kimmel told the story of Billy's birth and the week that followed in an emotional monologue on his show when he came back. About a year later, he opened up even more, speaking to Oprah, of course. He expressed the fear that he and his wife felt until they knew that their baby was going to be okay, saying, there were secrets we kept from each other that we revealed only after the second surgery, and I believe he's had three now. The biggest one, he continues, was that I think subconsciously we didn't want to get too close to the baby because we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm, That's a tough feeling. Yep, so little Billy would need two more surgeries during his first year of life. Uh, Thankfully, he is a healthy little boy now. That's wonderful Mm -hmm. news. In October of 2022, Jimmy told E that Billy is doing great and able to do all the things that other kids can do, but he does still need one more open-heart surgery. Saying, I tried to explain the heart surgery to him because he has a bit of a scar down the center of his chest, and he has almost no interest. (laughs) (laughs) He's a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Molly continues to be a writer for the show. She's now the executive producer of Jimmy Kimmel Live, and she also executive produced the 95th Annual Academy Awards, which Jimmy hosted in March of 2023, this year. Well, that's amazing. I had no idea. I have missed out on all of this. Yeah, well, we will link to that monologue from his show, because it it was a big deal back in 2017 when it happened. He thanked the hospital and talked about the American healthcare system, and it was a big deal. Now, we shall move to a section called Feuds with Donald Trump and Sean Hannity. No, no. (laughs) So Jimmy does not shy away from political jokes and even, you know, outright social commentary during his monologues, interviews, and, of course, on social media. This has drawn a lot of criticism from Republicans who disagree with his politics, but it's also drawn some criticism from those who do agree with him but would just prefer that late-night comedy hosts stick to making people laugh and... Stay out of it. 
Jimmy's been very vocal about his negative feelings about Donald Trump and consistently made fun of him on his show and on social media during his presidency. He had a bunch of nicknames he used for Trump, including Nostra Dumbass, hmm. King Tutankhamun, the Hydroxy Horror Picture Show, and YMCA Hole. Wow. Yep. But, you know, Jimmy's real ongoing feud has been with conservative talk show host Sean Hannity over the years. They've feuded on Twitter, and they have made disparaging comments about each other on their respective TV shows as well. In 2018, they had a squabble after Jimmy made fun of Melania Trump's accent. Sean Hannity criticized him for mocking her, calling Jimmy, quote, a despicable disgrace and a, quote, ass clown. Oh, okay. Jimmy fired back with, if I'm an ass clown, you, Sean, are the whole ass circus. Oh. Jimmy then tweeted to Sean, when your clown makeup rubs off on Trump's ass, does it make his butt look like a creamsicle? A lot of people took some umbrage at that last tweet, calling it homophobic, and criticized Jimmy for being insulting to the gay community after, you know, Jimmy's wife and children received death threats. Oh, no. Probably not from the people worried about, you know, the feelings of the gay community. Jimmy tweeted the following apology and offered a truce to Sean Hannity, saying or writing, while I admit I did have fun with our back and forth, after some thought, I realized that the level of vitriol from all sides, mine and me included, does nothing good for anyone and, in fact, is harmful to our country. Even in 2018, the vile attacks against my wife and wishes for death on my infant son are shocking, and I encourage those who made them to give their words and actions thought. I, too, will give my words more thought and recognize my role in inciting their hatefulness. By lampooning Sean Hannity's deference to the president, I most certainly did not intend to belittle or upset members of the gay community, and to those who took offense, I apologize. I will take Sean Hannity at his word that he was genuinely offended by what I believed and still believe to be a harmless and silly aside referencing our First Lady's accent. Mrs. Trump almost certainly has enough to worry about without being used as a prop to increase TV ratings. I am hopeful that Sean Hannity will learn from this too and continue his newly found advocacy for women, immigrants, and first ladies, and that he will triumph in his heroic battle against sexual harassment and perversion. That's a great statement. That's, uh... The, think Sean Hannity has continued on his journey? Some zings. Things calmed down for a little bit, but it was not over between Jimmy Kimmel and Sean Hannity. The feud really heated up in 2021 after Hannity interviewed gubernatorial candidate Caitlyn Jenner. During the interview, Caitlyn Jenner made comments about California's homelessness problem in a manner that Kimmel and, you know, most, you know, human beings found to be insensitive and out of touch. For instance, Caitlyn said, my friends are leaving California. Actually, my, like, airplane. Actually, my hangar, the guy right across, he was packing up his hangar and I said, where are you going? And he says, I'm moving to Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it anymore. I can't walk down the streets and see the homeless. Jimmy responded to Caitlin's comments by saying, ah, homeless people can't walk around them, can't fly over them. Is it transphobic to call a trans person an ignorant a-hole? Or does calling that trans person an ignorant a-hole, even though she happens to be a trans person, show that we don't discriminate against ignorant a-holes no matter what their gender orientation Sean Hannity got into the mix and said on his next show, oh, no. 
Jimmy, what's with all the anger and all the cheap shots? Don't you have anything better to do? Maybe actually trying to be funny or boost your dismal ratings because we're absolutely crushing you by like 70% in total viewers. Hey, maybe both of you with your very large platform shine some light on, on how we can maybe help homelessness in our country. Just build a bunch of houses, guys. Have a house building contest. Wouldn't that be awesome? You got, you have a very large platform. You guys should make a bet. And whoever builds the most Most houses houses. in the next calendar year wins the bet. There you go. There you go. All right. But it got uglier, as things do. So Sean Hannity brought up some old sketches that Jimmy Kimmel had done in the early 2000s back on The Man Show on Comedy Central, including one where, deeply unfortunately, Jimmy is wearing blackface to imitate Carl Malone. This was controversial and extremely politically incorrect. These are clips of Jimmy that had surfaced in 2020, and he had promptly issued an apology saying, I apologize to those who were genuinely hurt or offended by the makeup I wore or the words I spoke. Sean Hannity asked his viewers to take a trip down memory lane while he aired the blackface clip. He then asked, (laughs) classy stuff coming, you want to talk about ignorant assholes? This is you dressed as Carl Malone. And check this out. This is you, an ignorant asshole, when you had a cucumber in your pants during the man show. And maybe your bosses at Disney can talk you out of your bad behavior. Wow. It's weird I don't watch Hannity. He ended with, Jimmy, here's my advice. Don't talk about my show anymore. You talk about my TV show, I'll hit you back 50 times harder. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean, really, very large platforms. How are you using them? I think a house building bet is the way to resolve this, guys. I'm into it. Yeah, if you hear this, house building bet. All right, uh, we're now going to move to the time that Trump tried to have Jimmy Kimmel censored and that Marjorie Taylor Greene called the cops on him. Oh, no. In 2022, Jimmy made a Will Smith slap joke about Marjorie Taylor Greene during one of his late night monologues. Um, And by the way, Jimmy regularly refers to George's own Marjorie Taylor Greene as clan mom. Oh, no. Yeah. Apparently, MTG, as she's known, was so upset about the slap joke that um, she says that she called the Capitol Police to report, you know, that Kimmel was trying to incite violence or something against her, tweeting at ABC, this threat of violence against me by Jimmy Kimmel has been filed with the Capitol Police. Jimmy tweeted back, Officer, I would like to report a joke. (laughs) Uh Jimmy found this so entertaining that, you know, he no doubt infuriated MTG even more by discussing her again the following night in his monologue, saying she called the police and reported this. Not only did she call the police, she called the same police that she voted against giving a congressional gold medal to for defending our capital against the insurrection she helped incite on January 6th. He went on to call her a snowflake and a sociopath, and then said, I feel like maybe other Republicans like having her around to make the rest of them seem normal. He ended this bit by uh, writing a letter reporting Marjorie Taylor Greene to Batman, Oh, and then had his sidekick Guillermo like run it to uh, Gotham City or whatever it was. Uh, it was a big deal. Sounds right. Large platforms, people. Yeah, build houses. I, d- do anything good. Do good. Do as much good as you can do in the world. <laughs> we waste a lot of our time on very, very silly things. We do. Which is a good note to 
maybe pause for another break, hear from some sponsors, and uh, when we come back, we'll get into some real thin-skinned stuff. Oh, no. Back in a minute. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. But wait, there's more I'm hearing. There's always more. In February 2023 this year, Rolling Stone reported that two former Trump administration officials had told the magazine that Donald Trump was so enraged back in 2018 at Jimmy Kimmel's mockery of him that he tried to get ABC to make him stop. What? The Trump officials told Rolling Stone that Trump was so upset that he had his White House staff call Disney executives to demand that they make Jimmy pull back on mocking him. The former Trump official said at least one call was made to Disney that he knows of. Nobody thought it was going to change anything, but Trump was focused on it, so we had to do something. It was doing something, mostly to say to, you know, the boss, hey, we did this. Of course, when the story broke, Jimmy had a field day with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he quipped, in other words, President Karen demanded to speak to my manager. You'd think the guy who fathered Eric and Don Jr. would know how to handle jokes. And went on to say, usually when Trump wants somebody to stop talking about him, he pays him $130,000. He wanted me to do it for nothing. He continues, I've made fun of O.J. Simpson a thousand times, and he hasn't tried to kill me once. (laughs) Maybe this is why Donald and Melania sleep in separate bedrooms. She was laughing too hard at my monologue at night. Yikes. Zing, zing. That's some brutality. He ended on a bit of a more serious note, saying, Joking aside, this is a blatant abuse of power. I wonder if Fox News, they're always screaming about censoring comedians. Will they defend me on this? I doubt it. We have a First Amendment right that Americans a hell of a lot braver than Donald Trump have died for. This is especially hypocritical coming from someone who claims to be the biggest anti-censorship defender of free speech. Jimmy did confess that there was a time when he and ABC almost came to a crossroads regarding his frequent Trump jokes. ABC told Jimmy they were concerned about his jokes alienating fans. Jimmy would go on to tell the Naked Lunch podcast. There was at one time, maybe, I don't know, right around the beginning of the whole Trump thing where that was kind of hinted at, but I just said, listen, I get it. I don't disagree. I mean, you're right. I just said, if that's what you want to do, I understand and I don't begrudge you for it, but I'm not going to do that. So if you want somebody else to host the show, then that's fine. That's okay with me. I'm just not going to do it like that. I have lost half of my fans, maybe more. Ten years ago, among Republicans, I was the most popular talk show host, at least according to the research that they did, hosting the Academy Awards, which Jimmy Kimmel has done three times. So he's hosted 2017, 2018, and this year, 2023. He started off the 2023 Academy Awards by addressing the very famous Will Smith slap heard round the world that happened at the 2022 show. In his opening monologue, he said, we want you to have fun. We want you to feel safe. And most importantly, we want me to feel safe. (laughs) 
So we have strict policies in place. If anyone in this theater commits an act of violence at any point during the show, you will be awarded the Oscar for Best Actor and be permitted to give a 19-minute speech. Seriously, the Academy has a crisis team in place. If anything unpredictable or violent happens during the ceremony, just do what you did last year. Nothing. (laughs) Right. Maybe even give the assailant a hug. He also joked about this year's fad of people losing weight by taking several of the drugs that were originally meant to treat diabetes, saying, As I look around this room, I can't help wondering, is Ozempic right for me? Oh, no. When the 2023 Oscar ceremony was finally over, Jimmy was seen walking backstage to a sign that read, quote, Number of Oscar telecasts without incident. He stopped at the sign and updated the number to 001. (laughs) And that's the story of funny man, late night king Jimmy Kimmel, with an early marriage that spanned more than a decade and a later one that has just crossed the decade mark. I'm going to give the man halos instead of trash cans. It's arguable. He could probably get some trash cans. But in particular, it's because of that monologue that he gave after his baby son's harrowing first week of life. It was really incredible to see such an intense and authentically emotional statement from the guy who used to co-host the man show. Right, and crank yankers, for goodness sakes. Yeah, so props to Jimmy and his family. Happy anniversary. And from us here at Trashy Divorces, here's to many more. Hope we don't have to revisit you in the future. Yeah, sayonara, Jimmy Kimmel. Thanks for that, Stacey. And thanks to all y'all for joining us today. We hope you are keeping cool and staying hydrated in the summertime heat. If you are looking for a little bit more trash candy, you can always check out the best community ever over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces, getting bonus episodes, dumpster dives, bonus divorces, all kinds of fun stuff over there. And also you could try. We have a couple of other little podcasts kicking around here. We've got trashy Royals which uh, you just covered Catherine the Great for us. Oh, yeah, that was a good story. Yeah, it is a good story. And also my Dominic Dunn fan cast, Dunn and Dunn. Lots of good stuff happening over here at TDHQ. Always. And we will be back with you Wednesday, perhaps with something a bit more salacious. Until then, friends, I hope that you will keep your hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, darlings. Everybody have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. 
and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.